0: You are now listening to Decolonising the Profession.
1: Hey, mate, how's it going? I hey, how are you? Too bad, yourself? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Well, um, really appreciate you taking the time out today to give me your hand with this. Um, no worries, you? man. Uh, this is something I'm very passionate about. Um, just for a bit of context, I'm not sure if you're aware, but there's over 9,000 registered architects practicing at the moment in Australia, but only five of them actually identify as indigenous. It's pretty wild. Um, so yeah, so um, first thing about you so a bit about yourself, you know, a name, where you come from, you know, mob, et cetera. And we actually, we're aware of this? Aware of, oh yeah, no, I was. Um, so yeah,
0: my name's Campbell Drake and um, I'm a registered architect in New South Wales and Victoria. Um, I'm also a senior, senior lecturer in the School of Design at UTS. Um, and I, my practice um, is focused on um, indigenous housing and infrastructure. Um, so yes, I, I was aware of the disparity or those those metrics, which you spoke of in relation to um, the um, lack of representation of indigenous uh, people in Australian architecture fraternity. Um, I didn't know it was quite that severe. I didn't realize it was only, did you say only five? Yeah, only five, yeah, identify as indigenous, yeah. Wow, oh, that's crazy. Um, so the, the reason that I'm aware of it is um, through readings I've done um, a lot of Paul Mehmet's work, sort of lifetime work has been um, around advocacy within um, architecture housing. And um, as that piece I sent you the other day, he he wrote something um, not long ago, reflecting on what had changed in, I think it was over 20 years from 88 to 2005, something like that. And um he was very um forthcoming with pointing the finger towards the institute of architects saying that they should um be way more proactive in this space um to ensure you know future representation of um of um aboriginal people in within the architectural
1: fraternity Yeah, no, i definitely believe yeah i read the stuff you sent through about paul and um you know it's pretty strongly stance saying that you know like institutions such as the aia should have of more focus on these sort of topics and a different sort of outlook and i guess it's pretty tough but you know i guess i sort of honestly believe um yeah what do you reckon do you sort of stand with him or i hundred
0: percent no no i think he's um he's right on the mark but that, that said i think um well i I'm, I'm hopeful and optimistic that there is a sort of a generational shift and um Recently, I've taken on this role of the um, Indigenous student liaison within the School of Architecture, and I was pleasantly surprised to, to, to learn that there were, um, I don't know, t- 10 or more um, yes. people who identify as um, Indigenous who are, are enrolled within the school. Um, and then I've since spoken to two other graduates who, who sort of reached out on the back of the invitation that I passed on to you guys um, to whether you wanted to take part in some of the work that I've been doing with the um, Aboriginal Housing Office and various other state departments. Um, so I don't know, I, I feel like there's sort of a bit of a building um, uh, representation, and um, yeah, I, I feel like it's moving in the right direction. So, whilst Paul was very forthcoming with um, suggesting that, well, I I don't. I, I agree with him a hundred percent that the um, the AIA should take more more responsibility. I'm supposed do that. Um, and um, but I don't know. But the, I'm not a member of the, of the AIA. <laughs> I'm a registered architect in two states, but it does tend to um, come come with a with a certain uh, stigma towards um, older practicing architects who possibly aren't necessarily in touch with some of the needs
1: of, um, yeah, Aboriginal Australians. Yeah, no, that's, that's totally fair. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I guess I don't really know what a city, because he was pretty strong with it. And I mean, yeah, I'm not registered myself, and I haven't really had any association with the AIA at the moment. So, I mean, I can't really, I was sort of stand on the, on the topic. Yeah, um, yeah so um, just back about yourself again. So um, if you don't mind me asking... Um, is there any particular reason you sort of I guess went down the path you did and like um, is anything you know from your upbringing that you'd say sort of sort of spurred the, like, you know, spurred the want to sort of pursue you know what you're doing at the moment? To, to be honest man my interest in
0: um, the field sort of started um, overseas so I practiced in East Africa for a number of years specializing in sustainable tourism and whilst we were there or I was looking for, I suppose, community engagement strategies because we were working really remote, sort six hours from the nearest towns. Um, and that then, I also worked um, in Indonesia um, for a number of years and in the Seychelles. So my, my practice background is more, um, I suppose, in the developing world. So when I came back to Australia, um, after you know, many years away, there, um, there were certain, certain sort of skills that I'd learned working in the development sector, which were somewhat trans- transferable um, into the Indigenous sector in in Australia. Um, however, I never really intended to kind of specialise in um, specifically in the field that I'm working in at the moment. And I do, I, I, at some stage, I, I do intend to kind of pivot back into working um, in Indonesia and, and, um, and other developing contexts, as, as well as continuing the work that I'm doing here in which is almost exclusively focused on regional Aboriginal communities. I I don't really do a whole lot of work in um, urban centers.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, no, yeah, definitely makes sense. I mean, yeah, so I guess I'm sort of the same, I guess there's no really particular reason I sort of want to sort of become an architect, right? I guess I know through school teachers always have said, you know, sort of go to uni, I guess, pursue something better and bigger and better. And I, guess, I don't know I guess I was interested in you know arts and sort of mathematics and stuff growing up I guess I guess architecture sort of sort of fit that I mean I, yeah. I
0: agree yeah yeah it was yeah something I kind of fell into man it wasn't something which I'd preempted as a kid or anything because yeah I was the same yeah. as you like I was quite interested in you know science and then sort of the creative field so it sort of made sense to situate somewhere between the two
1: yeah no and yeah I guess like um, one of the questions I've written here is sort of it sort of you know it doesn't make sense anymore. They you say join the field later on, but I guess it was sort of um, anyone you looked up to in the industry. And I guess for myself, I guess yeah, there wasn't really anyone sort of looked up, especially Indigenous architects, until like until recently. Anyway, with like Kevin and stuff, you know, becoming massive. Yeah, I guess yeah, there was sort of like there's not really any sort of like role models um, to sort of like follow, and that's why I sort of this sort of podcast series is set up as a way to sort of you know get this information out there. And like people I like, talk to you like yourself, sort of you know, um, sort of setting a standard, and it gets us to sort of direction. I sort of want to push this because like yeah, I said, awesome. there's, there's like ten of us now, like, um, like indigenous students coming through each at the moment, and like it's pretty cool because we're pretty tight knit and we do chat amongst ourselves. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a cool thing knowing that like um, saying that there was only five at the moment registered in Australia, that I guess more on the way, and I guess yeah, sort of moving in the right direction. Yeah. And, you, you know, the,
0: um, I think it was at last year's um, Venice Biennale was also curated by, I think, one or two Indigenous architects. And they were also really looking at um, advocacy or kind of that cross, cross-cultural cross or intercultural space. Um, unfortunately, it all kind of went tits up with um, COVID. But um, yes. it was a really interesting sort of interplay between looking at some of the um, the differences between sort of indigenous sensibilities to land and country and non indigenous perspectives and not whilst not not looking at sort of binary perspectives it just it seems like there 's a genuine sort of to, um, appetite for those kinds of um, conversations which are sort of which are way more kind of celebratory or um you know they're they're way more um, yeah, sort of a celebration of cultural difference rather than, rather than it being um, looking at it from a, um, a traumatic kind of standpoint, which, which often um, some people associate with, you know, Aboriginal discourse. Yeah. Hmm.
1: No, yeah, there's definitely a fine line, you know, between the two. Like, you know, it's tough to sort of like, um, it's tough to sort of situate yourself as like, it's not just like going on a rant for nothing, but as sort of like this sort of advocacy sort of thing, the subject they're doing at uni at the moment. Sort of like, you know pushing for that as opposed to just ranting, and sort right. of a result coming out of it. Yeah,
0: and no, absolutely.
1: Um, yeah, that's a bit of a good segue into this one. So, the way we sort of sit in Australia at the moment, the profession sort of currently is: Do you think it would benefit from the introduction of more, I guess, indigenous knowledges, practices, and sort of like architects within the profession? 100 for sure. Um,
0: I think, um, again, like it, it. Dep- I suppose it depends on the project, but um. I know that there's also um, a growing appetite from sort of the mainstream to ensure that um, there is Indigenous representation um, within projects, in, even sort of from a scoping perspective, but ideally from a delivery um, one also. So, as you said, because there's such um, a lack of representation with, within architecture, which is growing, there's been a tendency to um, to look for Um, I suppose cultural standpoint or or an indigenous cultural standpoint from um, people not trained within the profession. And that's not um, an issue. However, if, if you can like, as you said, with Kevin, who understands is working quite um, a lot at the moment at UTS um, on the indigenous college um, to have a, a, somebody of his kind of notoriety um, and experience who can, um, who can advise and, and sort of lead and, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. So, but, you know, as I said to you guys, you know, you guys are rare as hen's teeth. So mm-hmm. to try to get even close to Kevin, like it has to be quite big projects. Yeah. So it's so great that you guys, um, coming through. And I know that a lot of my, um, um, industry partners like the AHO, when I said I'd reached out to you guys and, you know, and, um, you know, Christian's done some work with us on the Narooma project and hopefully you'll work on some stuff with us in the future. And then um, another guy, Matt, and who's working at Cox is interested and then yeah. another, and then Sam, Samantha, who's come across from USW. So it's sort of, it's sort of growing because um, you guys could just take over that industry if you, if you wanted to. Um, I guess I get, I, one other sort of provocation back to you is um, when I first sort of reached out to the Indigenous cohort, um, I wasn't sure what kind of reception I would get um, because, and, and I guess I'm, I'm asking you this question, um, not necessarily from, from your own perspective, but more kind of generally, do, do you think that there's a, um, a, I suppose, a desire of Indigenous students to work within the um, Indigenous sector? Or do you think a lot of them would want to straddle across you know, more mainstream, big-budget Sydney stuff? Or do you reckon that... Um they just like where where do you think they'd sit if there's kind of three tiers, one one being in the indigenous sector that I work in with you know quite minimal budgets, um, or you know, big big business, big architecture, you know, the big cocks and all yeah. the, you know, or is there somewhere, or do you reckon that you'd want to jump in and out? How how do you see the um I mean personally for I
1: mean I mean at the moment, I guess I guess sort of a balance sort of between the two. I guess that experience within the I guess the larger field is very important, especially if you want to, you know, move on and sort of develop the sort of indigenous sort of sector. I guess in the long run, sort of more towards the indigenous side. And I mean, so you, you mentioned Matt. before, I mean, me and Matt are quite close, and cool. and I know, I know he where he said he definitely wants to, you know, work towards the more indigenous side. And um, you know, Marnie, what she's doing at the moment, pretty big things in sort of that sort of sector. So I guess. I guess, yes, I guess more people would rather go towards that, right. so I, especially at the moment. like I know the sort of um, you know, that aspect at the moment is sort of like a large sort of in these projects, a large sort of want for this sort of indigenous knowledge and these sort of niche sort of companies to sort of fill that spot. And like you said before, like a lot of companies going towards, I guess non, non I don't say non-qualified, but I guess non-industry people to, to get that knowledge. But if, there's, yeah. like, if you can find people that have both the knowledge and the experience within the profession. That's sort of where you want to be. Definitely, man. I do, And I do think, um,
0: you know, just in terms of your question before around um, Indigenous knowledge, cultural knowledge within projects, um, you know, I, I do find it quite problematic when non-Indigenous people are talking on behalf yeah. of, so that's why, you know, the, the more um, graduates or the more um, Indigenous people moving into the field, the better, because then we, you don't have those kind of cringing moments. Where, um, yeah, it, it, it is, it is, it is difficult. Um, yeah, pe- people, people using that language without really um, understanding that it's not possible to talk from that cultural yeah. viewpoint unless you are. Indigenous. So,
1: well, I guess that's provocative as well, but that's my opinion. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought I'm sort totally of exactly the same. Yeah, it's, yeah, like you said, it's pretty cringy. Well, not cringy, mm. but I don't know. It's like, I guess if they understand sort of the respect of where it comes from, and it's fine. But yeah, it, it is tough to find, I can just qualify qualified Indigenous people, like you said, in mm. the first place. So I guess these people sort of have to do it in some way.
0: Yeah. And the whole but thing yeah. around, you know, um, Misappropriation reappropriation, yeah you know like the, it is quite a it, it is a, a minefield and some you know I, and as I say I think there's been shifts in the in the sector, but sometimes there are there are also a lot of tall poppies, even with my experience, who um, will kind of cut cut you down, so you're kind of like you're fucked if you do and you're fucked if you don't sometimes yeah. working in yeah. this sector and that's something which I've just sort of um what do you say it's something that I've just sort of t- taken on as as that's that's where that's where we're at so it's like yeah you know, just
1: carry on <laughs> <laughs> no it definitely is a mind feel like even for like myself like I get asked a lot sort of like um like questions about you know it's just architecture and stuff and honestly I don't feel like I'm qualified to give the information you know what I mean like, yeah. I, like I don't know enough myself because like it is it is a touchy subject and if you say the wrong thing you can just shut down so yeah like I guess, yeah, that's where this whole, like, project of, like, advocation comes from. Like, I sort of want to move towards that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, see. it is. It's very touchy. <laughs> but that's also, um,
0: so I teach an undergraduate subject, which is um, focused on developing, um, I suppose, cultural competencies of undergraduate students. And, you know, as you, as you know, 99.9% are non-Indigenous. And most of them have never had an experience or firsthand hand experience um, working with or talking to. Aboriginal people. And so um, the the way that I go about it is just to to try to get all those kind of, you know, stigmas out on the table as quickly as possible. So as that, that people don't feel like they have to tiptoe around, they can ask loaded questions, yeah, you know, obviously with the sensitivity, but I think um, that's a better way to approach it rather than trying to hide from the difficulties around that kind of cross-cultural space.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And like, it's like, like, yeah, in the first place, if like, if um, like, we're able to accept, you know, like accept the help in the first place, and accept people sort of asking those questions, we're not going to go as far as if we do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like you said, if you get out in the first place, it's it's a lot easier. It's a lot smoother selling from then on. Like, I've I've noticed that at work a lot, and yeah.
0: Yeah, I do So We're for when I'm, when I'm working with these students, and we do a week or so in the field with the community. And I've done this, I don't know five six times now um so prior to going we do a lot of work around just sort of familiarizing with um you know h- histories culture spirituality whatever that might be specific to that group that we're going to be working with and then um when we move into the field it's really interesting to see um that kind of critical self-awareness of these mostly privileged students um, when you're when you take them away from the kind of comfort of metropolitan sydney and over the blue mountains it's 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 extraordinary just like the kind of culture shock that some of them will go through um, as this kind of awakening kind of emerges which is no which, it can only be productive in my opinion so yeah. I think um, in relation to um, yes hundred percent the more indigenous um, architects in the industry the better but also having students non-indigenous students that are graduating with some experience or some um you know capacity to work or just some cultural awareness is also super important to this um sort of incremental shifts that are going on now um you know towards you know that you know they just revamped the whole closing the gap strategy and there's a number of state departments working across it and i don't know i just i feel like you know there has to be some ground made on these kinds of disparities if if there's a you know a, a momentous push towards it um rather than generations prior that have just sort of ignored it
1: yeah yeah no i i totally agree mm. um just there's one last question i have here um so yeah it's about that whole sort of i guess thing paul touched on about you know institutions having a, a greater part in these sort of these sort of topics um and so sort of where i come from as well so do you think there's something that, you know, can be done to, I guess, get younger digital students, not in, into architecture, but I guess, or design disciplines? And do you think there's like potentially a way to sort of guide them? You know what I mean? Because I, mean, I know, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so there's some really great projects going, programs going on. I don't know if you ever heard of gallowa Did you ever come across that? No. No. Nah. So was a is a program where year 11 and 12 students um, are um, invited to come to UTS to um, familiarise with design and architecture disciplines and they do I think a two-day workshop and from quite remote parts too Like, because we've done a lot of work out like Mar and Bridge, I know there were some community reps from those towns um, and even further afield So, and what that does is just provides them with a I suppose a touch point or a sort of pathway um, into the tertiary sector because in, in my experience working with a lot of remote communities the, the thought of kind of going to these big universities sometimes doesn't even enter their mind. So to bring, to, to do that before they've even graduated um, in 11 and 12 to the, I kind of, I know what that, I know what product design is. Yeah. Animation is kind of cool. And, you know, I kind of want to do fashion or architecture, whatever that might be. I think it's a really good um, program that they should uh, continue moving towards. And similarly, there there are now, um, you know, further opportunities in terms of, um, scholarships. And also, um, again, my industry partners are really interested in um, in uh, funding um, Indigenous tertiary students. However, there, there has been a, a diff- some difficulty um, in the recent past of actually finding um, candidates who want to even take those um, scholarships. So, and I don't, I'm not quite sure how to get around that. Maybe it's a marketing thing or, you know, just further connectivities between sort of decision making and um aboriginal communities um, however but i do i do think 100 percent the institutions both university sector and the um yeah um both have a huge role to play in um correcting some of the disparity between non-indigenous indigenous um architect architects working
1: so yeah i think there's a there's definitely a role it can play Yeah, no, because, like, um, at at the high school I went to, we had this sort of thing where, I guess, indigenous boys from the country, like, um, they'd come through and, like, like for sport purposes, you know, they'd stay at a hostel near the school. There's, like, 20 of them at a time. And I guess they'd come to our school for, like, four years and sort of pursue that sort of sport thing. But none of them sort of, there was never sort of a, like you said, there's never sort of a thing. They've never thought about architecture. They've never thought about design. This never sort of, like, you know, shown to them or anything. So I guess yeah, yeah. some of them are really smart kids as well. I guess they would have thrived in sort of sector, but yeah, it's sort of like when they come out to like, you know, I don't live in a big city, but it's bigger than where they're from. And, you know, it's it's totally foreign to them. And I guess, yeah, it's like sports sort of thing that sort of they found their comfort in and, sort of, but can that sort of be architecture? Can that be design these sort of creative sort of fields? Is there some sort well, of way to sort of push that? You, you know that they're developing this
0: indigenous college at UTS? Yeah, yeah. so um, yeah, it'd be interesting to watch that space because I know it's um, Michael McDaniel. Have you met Michael, the, the yeah. Vice-Chancellor of Indigenous? Oh, he's awesome. Um, that's his kind of pet project and also um, Attila, the Vice-Chancellor, who's exiting this year. But um, that's very much their intent. And it's, and it's not necessarily um, a new typology in terms of having an Indigenous college. I, I, I know that's probably more prevalent like out West, like out in Perth and that. Um, but I also know that they do have quite a lot of issues with attrition. So yeah. students may come. And as you said, just haven't not really used to spending time um, in the city or away from community. And um, I think they have, have similar problems in, with, with, um, in the AFL when, when, you know, um, players come from remote areas and come to the big cities and they yeah. just want to go home. So um, with, you know, Kevin and the likes on board to, um, try to work out how to build a indigenous college which is culturally, you know, responsive or sensitive. Um, yeah, it'd be it's a, it's a really um, amazing opportunity um, to try to grow the indigenous cohort. And I know that's one of their mandates too, to ensure that that the college has or the university has, you know, the same amount of percentile of staff as population, the same same. Um, amount of students as the as the indigenous population and you know whilst that's just a starting point um if they can move towards that then I also think that's a, you know, a step in the right direction
1: yeah no I, I totally agree and yeah this this um new indigenous colleges, pretty sick idea I mean I'm, I was a few years too early but <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it's definitely a great thing I mean yeah like you said it's like, like if people come from the country or anything and not even not only just indigenous people but like the idea of we being like especially UTS in smack bang in the city it's just foreign for them and a way for them to sort of you know, place them to stay, which is like, with like-minded people. Yeah, definitely.
0: It definitely Especially helps. if it's, if it's a little shoe box, you know, that's not going to yeah. cut it. So it'd be interesting to see what, yeah, how they resolve so the spatial planning or making it more open or communal or whatever they deem is, is most responsive to, to the needs of those students. It'll be, yeah, I think it'd be super interesting.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. I, I definitely agree with that. Hmm. um yes i don't hold you too long so yeah just thanks for today i mean i really appreciate this i mean yeah definitely eye-opening oh yeah cheers Campbell. have a good one good one yeah i'll I'll, I'll speak to you soon catch up catch up
0: thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed this episode of decolonizing the profession